And now listen to God's word as it comes to us from Psalm 15. O Lord, you may abide, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? Those who walk blamelessly and do what is right and speak the truth of their heart. Who do not slander with their tongue and do not do evil to their friends, nor take up a reproach against their neighbors, in whose eyes the wicked are despised, but who honor those who fear the Lord and who stand by their oath, even to their hurt. Who do not lend money at interest and do not take a bribe against the innocent. Those who do these things shall never be moved. And from our gospel lesson this morning, it comes to us from the gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verses 1 through 8, 14 and 15, and 21 through 23. Now, when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands. That is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. and They do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And Jesus said to them, Isaiah prophesies rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then Jesus called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, Pride, folly, all of these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. At first blush, the warnings of Jesus in this text from Mark come across as pretty straightforward and 
self-explanatory. They don't need much in terms of uh, in theological commentary. It would appear that the passage is a critique of how we as religious creatures too often exalt our rituals above possibly our ethics. Enamored with the religiously superior identity that we gain through participation in our community's ritual symbolism, we get hung up on religiosity of our set apartness. Overlooking the deeper truth that living out the heart of our religious tradition would instead call us to be an alternative to the larger world of our society by choosing and living out right relationships. Kindness over cruelty, love over hate, compassion over condemnation. Instead, we, we kind of get wrapped up in the proper symbolic waves, ways of, of representing our faith upwardly that we overlook the deeper demands of that faith to serve God by doing good, holding in check our own selfish desires so that we might be better directed in our energies toward the welfare of others and the larger community. Yet, as, as powerful and accurate a critique of human rituals as this text is today, if we are content to stay at this level of meaning, we, we may miss the more, more subtle teaching about hypocrisy that Jesus provides for his disciples, for the religious leaders, and for us, his listeners. It was a long weekend. Oh, it was a very long weekend. It had been a long winter. Lots of snow, lots of freezing rain. It was cold. There was sand and, and cinders all over the parking lot and sidewalks. It had been a long winter, but it was a long weekend. The youth, myself, and some volunteers had just worked all day some Saturday morning doing spring cleanup for that long, hard winter. You already know it's not First Presbyterian here in Lake City, right? Yeah, okay, all right. You don't have hard winters here, right? Right. So I invite everyone that's listening, come live in Lake City. They cleared out all of the beds around the church. They weeded them. They weeded the church. They, they laid mulch down getting ready for some planting that was going to be done, well, in about a month, because we had to wait till after Mother's Day to plant. They, they were really excited about what they did. They were really excited. There were about 28 kids in this youth group. It had grown from zero to about 28. And what had they done about the day in general? They worked from 8 in the morning until 4 in the afternoon. The place looked great. It was magnificent. 
It really was. It looked great. I sat down as I normally did. I came into the, into my, into the church, into my office. I sat down at my desk on Sunday morning before worship and found a hastily written note on my desk. It said, your, your was under sight line, your youth clean up as well as they know their Bible. What a mess they left in the back. Terrible. We'd run out of trash bags and we put the debris, some of the leftover debris, next to the air conditioning that was in the back of the church. It would be like putting it back here. It was ready to be picked up on Sunday afternoon for the youth group when the youth group met. The note was unsigned, but I knew who wrote the note. I knew who wrote it because it was not the first note that I'd ever received. I went from this, I went from this high to look what they did to seriously, seriously. That's what you have to pick on today? Come on. To top it off, it was Youth Sunday. And the kids were greeting, ushering, and reading. Do you think I read that note to the youth? No. In today's, in today's passage from Mark, I, I think Jesus is, is feeling something similar to what I was feeling. The, the Pharisees and the scribes clothed in their righteousness come upon Jesus and his disciples in a moment of calm. The disciples are gathered together sharing a meal without first washing their hands. The Pharisees look at Jesus and ask the leader, why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? I can't help but wonder if Jesus doesn't feel a little bit angry on behalf of his disciples. I know I did for my youth group. After all, they, these disciples, they had sacrificed. They had sacrificed a great deal to follow him. Some had given up family. Others had given up their career. Still others' status, like Matthew, much more than a Saturday afternoon. In Jesus' response, we get a sense of, of what's important to God. And Jesus quotes Isaiah 29, 13. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. We humans, we religious leaders, but we humans need a sense of order to feel secure. We need laws to organize our communities. We need doctrines. We need doctrines to articulate our beliefs 
orders and doctrines are not bad things. However, when we begin to worship what gives us a sense of order or bow down to a doctrine, we cease to be faithful to our creator. Some of Jesus' contemporaries were very concerned with the details of the rituals of cleanliness and purity and defilement. Now, when we're talking about washing hands, we're not talking about putting them under a faucet with some soap and water and... Oh, no. Oh, no. They have a claret jug there in a basin. And they take that basin and they pour it down over their hand and let the water drip down from their elbow. Then they grab it with the other hand and do the same thing, but they make it so that you all can see. And then they grab something to wipe it off. And then they do it again, only they do it this way. Pour it from their elbow down their hands. Elbows down to their hands and the fingertips. And it grows, goes down into the basin. And then again they wipe their hands. And now they are pure and undefiled. That's what they're looking for. Now, some, now, don't get me wrong. Some of the practices that came out of the concern for cleanliness were life-saving. They were. They didn't have antibiotics. But the requirements of ritual purity in the first century could also become means of judgment and oppression. Now, now Jesus is criticizing not the Pharisees' tradition but their emphasis on ritual purity as that which makes Israel accepted to God. Here he draws upon the prophet's traditions like you find in Isaiah 58. Is not this the, first, the, the fast, is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of injustice? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? Jesus takes this opportunity for a broad teaching moment. He gathers a crowd around him. Gather around, he says. Listen to me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile. But the things that come out that defile. Some of the folks are, are perplexed by this declaration. Jesus is challenging a basic religious belief of the day. Notice that even the disciples are confused. And in private they even ask Jesus exactly what he means. And Jesus clarifies what's important to God. Jesus tells his disciples that the things we eat do not enter our hearts. 
but enter our stomachs. They didn't know anything about cholesterol at the time. In, in, the, in the stomach, in the stomach, the food is used as it is needed, and then it's released to the sewer. It's those things that come out from our hearts that defile us. Those words. Not the things that go into our mouths. Jesus says that evil intentions come from the heart and come out as fornication and theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. Today we, we may scoff at the first century world's view of ritual purity and defilement, but we certainly, you and I certainly are not above the evil intentions of what and which Jesus warns his disciples. Our challenge is to recognize how we, like the Pharisees, might, might interpret what's important to God There are some believers, there are some believers who look at the dirty fingernails of the homeless brothers and sisters and, and think to themselves, they don't belong here in this clean sanctuary. There are some that may hear a crying baby during the worship service and think to themselves or even whisper to their neighbor, children should not be allowed in worship. Some may watch a gay couple join the church and think they are not welcome here. They seem to put their energy into keeping people out of their sanctuaries rather than examining their sins within that stain their own lives. The human race has changed little in 2,000 years. Oh, friends, we can't build prisons fast enough to hold our murderers, our thieves, our white-collar criminals. Marriages and families continue to be torn apart by acts of adultery, greed, and selfishness. We may not use the words like avarice or licentiousness, but greed and lack of sexual restraint continue to be problems for us. We need to hear Jesus' teachings as much as his followers and disciples needed to hear his words so long ago. We need to be reminded what is important and what is simply released into the sewer. The evil intentions that come from our hearts separate us from God. When we use religious rules inappropriately, we separate ourselves from one another and thereby from a loving God. Just like the youth were doing that Saturday and Sunday mornings, their hearts were filled with love and joy, doing God's work and they finished cleaning up by welcoming all into God's kingdom and sanctuary. 
friends, that's what's important. That's what should be important to us, to you and me, because that is what is important to God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we do come to you in prayer. We come to you in prayer and thanksgiving. And we pray, Lord, that the spirit that is in our hearts reminds us as we walk along our path of ministry to offer a hand to those that are down, to offer a smile for one who needs encouragement, and to offer hope to those that might feel lost because you have done that for us. And it is in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Ken Goodrich, and I'm humbled that you took the time to listen to this podcast. I pray that the Holy Spirit moves you to ministry and that if you don't have a church home, that you are able to find one. Please feel free to tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 12.20 p.m for our Bible studies on Thursdays at 10 a.m. for our Learning Center courses and, of course, on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for our worship. Just go to fpclc.org to see all our various programs and events. Thanks again, and God bless you and keep you safe. May God embrace you and keep you in his countenance. Peace.